episode 802. After the NFL draft was completed, the Green Bay Packers are reportedly signing 16 rookie free agents. To discuss the newest members of the Green Bay Packers, we'll talk to Michael Renner of Pro Football Focus. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Kirvu, and today we're talking about the NFL draft. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Mike Renner of ProFootballFocus.com. Mike, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we brought Mike on the show to talk about the undrafted rookie class of the Green Bay Packers. We we broke down the draft picks on Monday's episode, so now we're going to talk about the the undrafted guys. And just a disclaimer before we dig in, so everyone is aware, all these signings are subject to passing a physical, so if one or two happens not to come to fruition, that's likely the reason why. We'll learn that in the next few days. But, Mike, let's start with probably the most recognizable name the Packers signed after the draft. That's BYU quarterback Taysom Hill. If for no other reason than he plays the high-profile position, we know he's older. We know he's had a lot of injuries, but what can you tell us about his performance? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure where the Packers plan on playing Taysom Hill, but he's a dynamic athlete. I've always loved watching him when he has the ball in his hands. Uh, I know he started off that 2015 season fantastic before getting injured. Uh, and we've seen what we see from him is an erratic passer who can break tackles and move the chains in the run game. I'm not sure if he's a wide receiver where he's going to play for the Packers, like I said, but 14 broken tackles in 2014, 18 a season ago. Uh, when he has the ball in his hands, it's fun to watch. So uh, I think he's just the sort of guy who's an athlete who you breed, you know, who you bring into groom to play some sort of position because he just can do a lot of things uh, on a football field that, that are impressive to watch. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they keep him at quarterback or he goes somewhere else. Uh, the Packers also signed Charlotte running back Khalif Phillips, the school's all-time leading rusher. Uh, but the Packers also drafted three running backs, so Phillips will have a lot of competition. So, Mike, what, what does he do well that gives him a shot to compete with the other three? Yeah, Phillips is actually a very interesting name that I was uh... – waiting to see where he got drafted on Saturday because I thought he had a chance. Uh, what really hurt him, though, was he had some of the worst run blocking in the entire nation there at Charlotte. Uh, they were in, among the bottom five in terms of offensive line grades. There's awful run blocking. He averaged 4.9 yards per attempt, which doesn't look good, but when you realize that 3.8 of those yards came after contact, they said he had to do all the work on his own. On 187 carries last year, he broke 55 tackles, which is – a pretty very impressive rate, even for a college running back. So I think in terms of, you know, he can move the piles, that sort of thing. So I, I'm i not sure he's going to make the roster because of, like you said, all the running backs that they did select and, uh, you know, having time Montgomery on the roster already. But I'm, I'm a little encouraged by the fact that they got him as UDFA. 
Yeah, and certainly the practice squad is an uh, open avenue to all these guys as well. Um, Mike, apparently Fresno State's Aaron Peck is trying to transition from supersized wide receiver to tight end. How did he perform in college despite weighing more than most wide receivers? Yeah, he was the third option in the Fresno State attack. That was fairly, you know, high high power. They uh, they passed the lot there, so we still saw seventy nine targets, but not particularly dynamic. wasn't really a downfield threat. That's somewhat to be expected with how big he is for a college wide receiver. Uh, if there's any silver lining to the pick, it's that he only dropped forty. Or excuse me, he only dropped two of forty eight catchable passes a season ago. So. Good hands, uh, but like I said, not terribly dynamic. Maybe he'll be a little more dynamic if he's using a full-time tight end role. Uh, another player the Packers signed, Georgia Southern wide receiver Monte Crockett. He reportedly ran a sub 4-4 40-yard dash. Uh, I know he played in Georgia Southern's option offense, but di- does that speed translate to the football field, Mike? Yeah, this was another guy who was probably the third option in Georgia State's offense, which isn't very uh, encouraging, obviously. And the other thing that's not encouraging is they didn't pass much at Georgia State. Like you said, only he saw 215 passing snaps all season long. We had guys who would see you know upwards of 600 in, the certain, in certain passing attacks. So that's not a lot. And then, surprisingly, he wasn't much of a big play threat there at Georgia State for as much as they passed down the field off of that option attack. He only had four catches all year long of 30-plus yards, so uh, um, not too much to be encouraged by there despite the uh, the big speed that he has. Uh, well, we'll see if maybe he's got <laughs> some returnability in Green Bay or something like that. Um, what can you tell us about West Virginia offensive lineman Adam Pankey, uh, especially regarding his versatility and ability to play different spots on the offensive line? Yeah, they moved him all over this past year at uh, West Virginia. He played left guard. He started at left guard at the start of the season, then switched to left tackle, and then would even have games where he would split time between left guard and left tackle. So he ended the year with 148 snaps at guard, 708 at left tackle. But uh, the the unencouraging part is the fact that he did not grade out well. He graded out as their fourth highest uh, graded uh, player on that offensive line, and an offensive line where – uh, it's not a particularly demanding scheme. You're not. It's a lot of inside zone. You're a lot of the same block seeing over and over and over again. So he allowed four sacks, four hits, and 17 hurries on the year, and then went to the Shrine game and did not have a great day, day there as well. I think he gave up three pressures and only a handful of pass blocking snaps. So uh, he's still a little raw, but has, like you said, the positional versatility that uh, he could end up being helping make the practice squad. Moving to the defensive side of the football, one of the biggest defensive signings the Packers made in undrafted free agency was Mississippi State's Jonathan Calvin, who cut his teeth in one of America's elite conferences in the SEC. How did he perform there? This was probably, to me, the most intriguing signing that they've made because he has some swing ability in that he could rush from the inside and the outside. Uh, and then he had games where he would dominate uh, in the South Carolina game, graded out extremely well, had nine pressures. Uh, the Kentucky game had a sack and a couple other pressures and five run stops. And then he went to the NFLPA Bowl, and it was the highest-graded player there. He had five hurries, a sack in that game. So really dominated once he got to, you know, against fairly good competition at the NFLPA Bowl. Up-and-down type of guy throughout his career, you know, it would have, it's extremely inconsistent, but – 
saw those flashes of high-level talent. So for me, he's probably the most intriguing guy on this list. Very cool. Uh, probably a lot of upside to that signing, if nothing else. Um, Mike, the the Packers' first pick of the draft was a cornerback, but they also signed another in undrafted free agency in Oklahoma State's Lindsey Pipkins. How did he fare in a pass-happy Big 12 conference? Not terribly well. That's fairly common, though, for Big 12 corners, but he wasn't even really a starter there at Oklahoma State. He was a nickel and a dime back over the course of his career. Uh, didn't play uh, that many snaps this past season because of that, obviously. Uh, and when he was on the field, the results weren't fantastic. He gave up a passer rating against of 110, uh, which might be an upgrade for the Packers secondary, but still not great uh, going into the NFL. And he only had uh, two pass breakups and one interception this year, only eight combined pass breakups and interception over the course of his career and a career pass rating against of 120. So uh, not terribly encouraging there for him, uh, even though there is a little bit of the uh, Big 12 playing into, factor playing into that. Going to need some coaching in the NFL. Mike, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to us this morning. Greatly appreciate it and your insight and your analysis. Uh, we had you on the show last year and loved it then and loved it again. So thanks so much. Yeah, not a problem, Brian. Thank you for having me on. Hope you have a good one. You too. Take care. Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment. I'm going to get more into my own thoughts on the Packers undrafted uh, rookie free agents in a few minutes. But first, let's kind of recap some of the Packers news since our last episode of Railbird Central on Monday. The team officially exercised the fifth-year option on safety HaHa ha Clinton Dix on Monday, uh, one of over 20 first-round draft choices from the 2014 NFL draft class that have been uh, have had those fifth-year options exercised, which is quite a bit. Uh, I think the most that they've had since this this became an option starting in 2011. Um, that means the salary of HaHa ha Clinton Dix will jump up to about $6 million in 2018 after being about $1.55 million in 2017 here coming up. Um, it, you know, for a Pro Bowl caliber player, which is what Clinton Dix became this past season, it's understandable that the Packers exercised this option and kept him under their control for another season. As long as he keeps playing at the level he did in 2016, HaHa Clindix is going to be worth $6 million a season. At some point, the Packers will have to consider signing him to a contract extension, but they've put off that decision for quite a few months now. And, and Clinton Dix, I thought, really took a step forward this past season. Not that he wasn't good or, or you know, ca capable of playing in the Packers defense his first two years in the NFL. But I think he finally started to put things together, uh, both against the run and the pass. Uh, I think the biggest progress he's made is being a... Um, a uh, 
a tackler. You, you know, the, he missed a lot of tackles in his rookie season in the NFL, and he got better his second year, but still missed some. And he became a much more reliable in that facet of the game in 2016, I think, which is where he made the most progress. If there's anything that still he still has a ways to go yet, and I shouldn't say a ways, but I, I still think you know some of the turnovers that he makes, and he made five interceptions this past season, which is good. But I think a lot of times the interceptions come to him. They're not always the most impressive plays in the world, like him breaking on the ball. Not to say he can't, and not to say some of them can't, but there are interceptions where it'll just be an overthrow by the quarterback, and and Clinton Dix, all he's got to do is catch the the football, and he makes the interception. And, and and to his credit, I mean, he made the plays that were there. There there are players in the NFL that will have a a gift thrown to them and they'll drop it or something like that. And, and that wasn't the case with Clinton Dix when he, he took advantage of opportunities and there's something to be said for that. So he's, he's making definite progress and he's becoming among the elite safeties in the NFL. Am I going to put him at the very top of the list yet? No, not quite, but he's, he's becoming there. He could get there. Uh, and I just, the Packers made the right choice with exercising this option. And, you know, they'll let the 2016, uh, pardon me, the 2017 season play itself out uh, before they have to figure out what kind of salary they're going to give him moving forward. So uh, we'll we'll come back to address that in a few months from now. Um, the Packers also released a pair of running backs on Monday, uh, both Kristen Michael and Don Jackson. And this comes on the heels of the Packers re-signing Michael just a little over a month ago. Uh, obviously, this was a reflection of drafting three running backs in the NFL draft and subsequently signing one in undrafted free agency. So the Packers have plenty of options now in addition to uh, the incumbent running back on the roster, Ty Montgomery, uh, who head coach Mike McCarthy said would be the starter uh, heading into the season. And you kind of wonder at this point, after the Packers invested so much into that position uh, among this rookie class, you know, what What does that have to say about Ty Montgomery? And all I can say at this point is it depends on how well these rookies integrate themselves into the Packers' offense. The Packers, I think, Ty Montgomery is the incumbent. They're in no rush to remove him from the starting lineup. I think that they would, you know, have him take a back seat if the right candidate emerges but we just don't know if that player is going to emerge. I think the guy with the best chance is Jamal Williams, uh, but all these guys, Williams included, have weaknesses in their game that they're going to need to clean up if they're going to be used heavily by the Packers or any NFL offense for that matter. Uh, Williams, you know, he I think he's, you know, the best combination of everything, all the traits you're looking for in a running back. 
Uh, he's maybe not elite at any in terms of speed, power. He's very good at all these, and, and I think that makes him the most well-rounded and still can make him a very darn good running back in the NFL. Um, but the, there are some weaknesses. He wasn't used heavily in the passing game at BYU. Yeah, I think he was used more than a guy like Devontae Mays, which helps, certainly. Um, but he's going to have to learn to be more of a blocker, more of a receiver out of the backfield. I think he can do th- these things. It's just it's going to be ramped up another step in Green Bay, uh, unlike BYU. Um, uh, but it was certainly a good thing that you know he did play this past season in a pro-style offense coordinated by a former Packer, by the way, uh, quarterback Ty Detmer just this past season became the offensive coordinator at BYU. And I think Williams definitely learned from him and learned what a pro style offense can be. So he took a step in the right direction there. Uh, but yeah, as for the rest of the guys, you know, Aaron Jones, a UTEP is the guy who's got the, the going to be the, the biggest threat in the passing attack. Um, but he's a little bit smaller. Does that mean, you know, he's probably not your short yardage kind of back. He doesn't have that to him, really. Um, and Devontae Mays is the guy with the least experience, uh, although maybe the most power out of all of them. Uh, they all have high ceilings, I think. It's just a matter of putting it all together. But, there, I mean, that's kind of, you know, how these dominoes are falling after, you know, we learned the Packers released Michael and Jackson Um uh, on Monday, uh, you know, after the NFL draft concluded and after they took a look at the undrafted free agent class, um, you know, Don Jackson was entering just his second season in the NFL. That kind of surprised me more than anything. I thought they would at least keep him and let him compete into training camp just in case, hey, one of these rookies doesn't pan out, or two of them even, you got a guy who knows the offense at least and and, and showed signs of some encouragement last year. To me, it wasn't terribly surprising that the Packers parted ways with uh, Kristen Michael. He had a $25,000 signing bonus, which really, in the grand scheme of things, is a drop in the bucket. You don't want to lose the $25,000 signing bonus, but... The Packers, you know, felt like they could easily, you know, uh, give that up. And, hey, I I suppose these guys, should anything happen, some injuries or something like that, they may be available down the road if you got to go down that well again and re-sign them later on. Uh, No guarantee they could sign somewhere else, uh, but at this point it's going to be tough for them to latch on somewhere. Um, All right, in other Packers news, Contract details of the newly signed offensive lineman Jari Evans were released on Tuesday. It's just a one-year contract, and it's worth a total of $2.25 million. The key number, however, is 200000 That's the amount in guaranteed money in Evans' contract in the form of a signing bonus. So if it turns out the Packers get to training camp and Evans, for whatever reason, is bad, whether it's his age or he's out of shape or whatever, they could cut him and not be beholden 
to his contract. Of course, again, ideally, you don't want to lose $200,000 for basically nothing, but but that amount alone isn't going to significantly impact the team's salary cap situation. Um, Evans also has several other roster bonuses, workout bonuses, uh, but he has to earn those. So all in all, it was an affordable contract for a player you expect to step in and be a starter and a capable one at that, and for a guy expected to be a stopgap kind of player. Um, and, you know, that's that's the key term here, I think, is stopgap when we're analyzing Jari Evans and his role in the Packers offense in 2017 and the team as a whole. Um, you, you know, he's going to step in and be the starter for TJ Lang uh, right away, day one, he's going to work with the first-string offense. I'm predicting that. I'm pretty confident in that, even though I haven't heard that from the mouth of a coach or anything like that. He is a former Pro Bowl player who still, yes, is he up there in age, but I think uh, the comparisons are apt when some people said, you know, oh, a few years ago the Packers, you know, kind of swung and missed on Jeff Saturday to tell you the truth, I didn't think the Jeff Saturday signing was that bad as a backup kind of player on the Packers offensive line. But, um, you know, Jeff Saturday, 37 years old when the Packers signed him. Jari Evans, 34, three years younger. There's probably a little bit left in the tank. And if the pack, if that, if what's left in the tank is just one season, that's all the Packers really need out of Evans at this point. I think he has enough to get through the 2017 NFL season. Obviously, an injury could end anybody's season at any time. Uh, Evans or and, and anybody named anybody else for that matter. Uh, and that kind of stuff you just can't predict. But, it, you know, based upon what he did with the New Orleans Saints last year and based upon his track record... And based upon the fact that he's played in a lot of games, uh, I think he can step in and be an effective guard in the NFL. Is he going to be at the very top of the list of guards in the NFL? No. Uh, I would say TJ Lang is probably the better player and has the higher ceiling and all that. But that's no longer the... uh, you know, the, the choice the Packers have, it's, it's not an option anymore. So they're going to go ahead with Evans and, and they're going to try to groom some backups here. Uh, I'm sure Kyle Murphy and it, it sounds very much like the Packers are just going to keep Kyle Murphy on the right side of the offensive line, kind of be a right side backup, both guard and tackle. And if they can develop him, uh, hopefully down the road, Uh, Or if Evans were to get hurt, a guy like Kyle Murphy, he's probably the most likely player to step in, although certainly not the only option the Packers have. But just kind of some analysis of the offensive line now that we know the figures for, uh, you know, Jari Evans just coming about on Tuesday. All right. Um, You know, the, the... my thoughts here, my two cents on the undrafted rookie class of the Green Bay Packers, who we talked to Michael Renner about several of these guys in our interview earlier in the show. But 
Reports have the Packers signing 16 undrafted free agents. And again, these are just reports. They have 18 open roster spots. But in addition to the players we already talked about in our interview with Michael Renner of Pro Football Focus, here's the rest of the free agents the Packers will reportedly sign here. Defensive tackle Emarje Albury of Florida International. Cornerback Donatello Brown of Valdosta State. Offensive lineman Thomas Evans of Richmond. Offensive lineman Jeff Gray of Manitoba. Inside linebacker Cody Hyman of Washington. Defensive tackle Isa Lunsford of Bowling Green. Cornerback David Rivers of Youngstown State. Offensive lineman Christian Schneider of University of California, Davis. And punter Justin Vogel of Miami. And I guess if I'm just going to share several thoughts on all the players, including the ones I you know, talked about earlier on the show. Um, but, it, you know, who's the guy who stands the best chance of making the roster? Probably the punter, you know, probably, you know, the guy who plays the least sexy position. Uh, but it's also, uh, you know, he's in a two-man race for this job uh, with the Green Bay Packers here, uh, where he'll be battling the incumbent uh, for the position. Now, um, with Justin Vogel, what what uh, my analysis of of him? He's six foot four, and I really like that in terms of the current Packers punter is five foot about eleven. I think is what he stands at, and not to say you can't get the job done at five foot eleven, but I think when you look at the best punters in the NFL currently and historically. They're a lot more lanky. They've got those long levers, and I think you know you need that when you're you're a punter. That helps you can can help you if you're a punter in the NFL. Having those long levers, things like that. He was also uh, had the fastest forty yard dash of any of the specialists at the NFL Combine, and maybe that seems like a minor thing. Um, you know, in terms of a punter or anything, but Hey, I'd rather have a good athlete than a poor one. Right. So I, I, I only see that as a tally in his corner, maybe not the most significant factor. Obviously it's going to come down to how he punts the football. Um, but I think they, there's some, there's some upside with a guy like Justin Vogel because he's an athlete because he's so tall and has those long levers, there's a chance I think he can be better than what he was in college even. Now that he's a pro football player, he can spend even more time honing his craft than he already does. So yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance. And I mean, right now it's it's 50-50. It, there's only two guys, two punters in camp. One of them's going to come away with the job. So Justin Vogel stands a very good shot. On top of that, probably the guy I'm most excited about, and it's the same guy Michael Renner mentioned in our interview, the most interesting one is Jonathan Calvin of Mississippi State, the outside linebacker slash defensive end. You know, he played defensive end in college, probably going to be called more of a linebacker practice with the linebacker group in Green Bay. 
Um, just because I, I think it's a position where there's room for a guy to stand out there. Obviously, nobody's penciling in Calvin for, to on the 53-man roster already. He's got to earn it. But I think the road to a roster spot is maybe a little bit easier there than it would be at some other positions for an undrafted rookie in terms that basically, you know, the Packers lost a lot of guys in the offseason. They lost Julius Peppers. They lost Dayton Jones. Um, and so there's some openings there um, at that kind of outside linebacker spot. And really the only proven guy that's uh, 100% you know he's going to be out there uh, is Nick Perry. And, and basically – you know, he was he's only been a proven player for one year. He's been so snake bitten by injury before that that you worry that that could still be out there for him, but still played well this past season. Clay Matthews, you don't know if he's gonna be an inside linebacker or outside linebacker. I mean, you could certainly you know, when when Clay Matthews is healthy and out there, he's been good, but we just don't know where he's gonna line up. We don't know if he's gonna be healthy. And then you've got a bunch of question marks. Uh, you hope for the best out of all these guys, like J. Ron Elliott, Kyler Fackrell, now bring in Vince Beagle. You hope for the best for all these guys, but you're just not sure what they're going to be able to offer, especially, you know, with the exception of uh, Elliott, who's now entering his third season, uh, or pardon me, is fourth. I mean, the other guys are still really young in NFL experience terms, and you, you just wonder, are they are they ready right now in 2017 to be big-time producers? So, um, it, you know, Jonathan Calvin, there's, there's an opportunity for him to compete with a guy like Reggie Gilbert, a practice squad guy last year, uh, to, to earn some playing time. But most definitely, key word there, earn. He's going to have to earn it. Uh, undoubtedly, but I think, you know, playing in the SEC, uh, getting used to facing some of the best competition there is in college football certainly helped prepare him, and he was moderately productive in college, uh, but there is some upside there. Uh, Hopefully the Packers coaches can coach it out of him. Uh, Taysom Hill uh, is the interesting well, I, I suppose Michael Renner kind of stole my thoughts on him in that here's a guy who maybe is the best athlete of any quarterback in this year's, you know, draft class in terms of like you look at his 40-yard dash and all the, the drill times he had, and there's no doubt that he's an athlete. Uh, it's just a matter is if he's a passer. He's He kind of is a little bit uh, unorthodox uh, as a passer, but there is so much upside to the athleticism that I can't blame the Packers for taking a look at him. Let him come into camp here. Let the coaches see up close and personal if they think they can work with him. And if not, and you still think he's a really good athlete, maybe he can fit somewhere else, whether that's wide receiver, whether that's running back. I don't know. But hey, there's very little hurt in taking a look at him. This this um, uh, you know upcoming rookie minicamp, uh, you, you could have argued maybe they should have gotten more of a traditional quarterback that is a better passer and see if they can you know coax some upside out of a, a more 
you know, traditional pro-style quarterback. You, I can understand if a person wants to argue that as well, uh, but I don't think it hurts to take a look at a guy like Hill either. Um, the the Packers do are bringing in one quarterback as a tryout guy, uh, Drew Bauer of the University of Minnesota Duluth, and there is a little bit to like there as well. So maybe that's the guy uh, who could impress and earn a roster spot if he really has an impressive rookie minicamp with the Packers. Um, also, uh, thoughts on Aaron Peck, the Fresno State tight end slash wide receiver uh, that the Packers are getting here. Basically, I, I think what the Packers are going to do is have him try to be the the Lance Kendricks kind of role in that he's going to maybe be more in that H-back kind of thing where he lines up in the backfield perhaps, he lines out split out wide, he lines up on the wing. I'm not sure, but just his size would suggest that. I mean, he's he's small for a tight end in that a, I think he's a little over 6 foot 2 and that's that's on the small side for a tight end where most of them are 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", even 6'6". Six, six. Um, uh, the, but the, the, the poundage wise, 225 plus pounds, I mean, that fits right in line. That's, you know, what Lance Kendricks kind of, I think is going to be for the, for the Green Bay Packers fit into that kind of size mold. And you, you know, watching Kendricks in the past, that's what he's going to do. He's going to fill an H back kind of role. And I think that's what Peck is going to be kind of as well. He'll be Kendricks backup and, and try uh, certainly to to fill that role when you know uh, on the scout team or the the second team when when Kendricks is out of the game in the preseason Peck's going to with the second and third team be that kind of guy uh, that can fill that kind of role and and so the Packers don't have to change their offense dramatically uh, they can just kind of call the same kind of plays for the second team that they do for the first team with him filling that role so that's an interesting one there. Uh, obviously, you just got to see if it works, if Peck is able to take that step up from, uh, you know, college football to the NFL, as all these guys are. So there, those were just some of the more, I think, you know, off-the-cuff kind of thoughts that stuck out to me when taking a look at this undrafted rookie class. Uh, they got one of the best players in all of Canada, uh, with Jeff Gray, an offensive lineman from the University of Manitoba. Uh, he's in a long shot, obviously, with the Green Bay Packers and uh, could be end up being a draft pick in the upcoming Canadian Football League draft. We'll see. Uh, but just interesting from that perspective uh, as well. So there, there you go. There's some off-the-cuff thoughts. Maybe I'll share more down the road. And certainly as we start to see these guys in a Packers uniform, whether it's practice or games, uh, we'll, I'll have more thoughts on them as well. Um, all right. The day ahead. On Thursday, players report for rookie minicamp. The first day of practice won't be held until Friday. But on Thursday, they'll take care of everything that needs to be done in order to practice on Friday. That means they'll take part in orientation and have meetings, stuff like that. Uh, I know head coach makes a uh, Mike McCarthy makes a point of mentioning every year how they bring all the rookies in, and I think they they have a team dinner together. The you know the rookies at least, not the whole team. 
uh, but they show them like a movie on the history of the Packers and things like that and how kind of, you know, significant that moment is and, and kind of showing the guys the, the history of the team and what it means to be a Green Bay Packer. So that's all on deck on Thursday here. And it, it's a big group that'll be doing that. It's going to include all 10 draft choices. It's going to include the 16 undrafted free agents, again, subject to passing a physical, and it's going to include the roughly 25 or so players they bring in on a tryout basis. I'm not sure they they have a set number there, but usually it's around 25 or two dozen, if you want to look at it that way, uh, players uh, that they bring in strictly on a tryout basis that are going to have to earn a contract. And uh, I believe right now the Packers, if all these undrafted free agents sign, They'll have two open roster spots, uh, so you know they typically take you know will sign uh, you know one or two of the trial players, the guys who perform the best, who look like they have the most potential, and will sign them to a contract at the end of the rookie minicamp, and and that roster number's fluid. Uh, you know they could they can. There's been times too where they they'll sign a guy these undrafted free agents, but it, you know if they come in for the rookie minicamp and they turn out like this guy just isn't NFL material, they won't hesitate to cut them either. So the roster number is really fluid at this time of year. So it's tough to don't don't be rigid in your thinking. Well, the Packers going to sign these many players because they could cut somebody and it, it, the number could be different a day later. So. There you go. That's what's coming up in the next few days in the world of the Green Bay Packers. And that does it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us this morning. Thank you to Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus for being our guest. Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. We'll see you on Friday, where it'll be our rookie minicamp preview episode of Railbird Central. Um, I leave you today with a song called Can't Wait Another Day by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go! Every night I pace the hall Just waiting for your call Anticipating your next move has got me bouncing off the walls.